HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you a sensational episode where each story hones in on one of the four senses that accompanies taste. Many of the smells that we uh, encounter in everyday life actually exist out there in the cosmos. Food carries all these culturally specific meanings. The fact that, you know, when you see an apple, it's not just an apple, right? I was mostly interested in thinking about what knobs ASMR was pulling on, maybe, or how we could explain it from a psychological or emotional or evolutionary standpoint. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Guys, Damon. I have a question for you. What's okay. up? Okay. So, just to start off, um, Souther, I know that you're like you in the past. You've had this rule about hamburgers, like you only Still eat do. like four a year. Yep, that's but the rule. And, well, but you skip like a year, or just accidentally. Uh, just accidentally, did, yeah. I've uh, you know I only have four a year, and I don't let them roll over. So uh, if, the, if the new year starts and I haven't, I've only had three or whatever, I can't like stack them up. Um, you don't like have one for your New Year's Eve. But meal. I also don't spread them out as quarters you know if i wanted to have four in one day i could have them but it's four a year so how did this start uh i mean i know we've talked about this a lot in person but i don't think we've really (laughs) talked about it so much on the air the truth of the matter is i don't like sandwiches in general um and one of the reasons that i don't like them is because i feel like they are sadly the uh, m- most prominent piece of the culinary landscape that was that's been offered by the American uh, cuisine, right? We eat a, we eat a sandwich for every meal here in America, um, right. and I don't like <clears throat> I don't like that. So basically, I just vote with my wallet by not eating many sandwiches. I will eat a sandwich, but uh, only only at lunchtime, only at the appropriate time for a sandwich. I'll never have a sandwich at dinner uh, unless I'm just you know on the road or pressed or uh, in some terrible situation, um, and. This it has a, it, 
you've cracked a weird egg here, and I'm going to make you an omelet. Um, <laughs> but it has a deeper story too, and this is this is a, a true statistic. Make me a breakfast sandwich. Yeah, this is a true. <laughs> BEC baby, uh, this is a true statistic here in America that you're in the seventh grade um, before average. Average. I know you know we all have different experiences, but your average seventh grade uh, before you're given a knife and fork at at school lunch, meaning we teach children until they're pretty old just to eat with their hands. Uh, and so it's more about, I don't like to eat with my hands all the time. Um, and I just, again, vote with my wallet and I try and, I don't wanna, I don't wanna infantize food. I don't wanna, you know, you're all the way in seventh grade and all you've had is pizza, chicken nuggets, hamburgers, of course, right. uh, other sandwiches, burritos, um, which all are delicious things. But I, I feel like if you teach someone until they're in the seventh grade that that's how you eat, then, then, then I, as a you know hospitality employee, I'm at bars and restaurants where I either work or have some purview or whatever, and I just see adult human beings eating like children at inappropriate times, and I don't like it. So that's a well, real long and like ethereal answer to to the question, but I, it's, <laughs> it's honestly just me voting with my wallet and trying to sure. curtail the overusage of I don't know infantized cuisine. Yes. I, I so pre- this I was prefer a to eat with a knife and fork. Is the bottom line. I, I you know, I was. That's kind of where I was going to head with this. I'm, I, I am a knife and fork guy through and through. And mm-hmm. I, it's very rare that I eat sandwiches anymore. Um, I think the only time I, I really use my hands is for pizza, and which we like, used to do once a week at Roberto's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we Miss haven't it. done that in seven months. <laughs> yep. But I, uh, something that you eat with your hands that usually goes along with the sandwich or burger in the situation is potato chips. I just got a spiral cutter for my KitchenAid mixer <laughs> so I can start making spiral cut potatoes to make potato chips. It's changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, the reason, the only reason why I'm making potato chips is because I've it, it, I already had an affinity for it, but during COVID... One of the things that I've learned to do when sitting at home to make me feel like I'm doing something special is caviar. So I'm making the potato chips to put the caviar on. I see where you're going. I'm I'm, I'm on board. And you know what goes really well with caviar? Ice cold vodka. (laughs) Which we're going to get to in a little bit. Holy segue, Um, (laughs) Batman. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I wanted to talk to Greg. Greg, what are you up to? I haven't spoken with you in a, what has it been, a week? Two weeks? Who knows? Three years? Who who are you again? Yeah, Uh, yeah, man. I've been been, um, definitely also finally, after seven months, getting on like the cooking, baking train in quarantine. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, I think it... um, Probably has to do with the fact that I have gone from having five roommates to living with my girlfriend. So I know that when I bring, uh, say, a bottle of whiskey home or a loaf of bread, I will be able to drink most of that whiskey and eat most of that bread. And it won't just mysteriously disappear on me, which is quite nice. Um, But I actually had to jump out right before. This is like you were talking about how much we miss Roberta's and and I desperately do. But I had a weird moment right before... We jumped on the air where I had to be like, oh, wait, hold, hold up, guys, hold up. I got to get my pumpkin seeds out of the oven. So <laughs> that's something that wouldn't have been able to do uh, if we were if we were all eating with our hands at Roberta's. And also just in, in defense of that, by the way, I kind of 
enjoy the whole like eating with your hands thing like Souther when you were saying earlier that you know like you look out at a restaurant and you see everybody eating with your hands I was going to ask if you were looking at the guests or if you were looking at next to the dish pit during family meal because you will see a lot (laughs) of people just absolutely go into town on their food and there is something that's kind of I don't know. It's a uh, oh, I mean, cuisine cuisine specific. You know, of course, nachos. Yeah. I'm going to eat with my hands. If when I go to the Ethiopian restaurant, I'm going to use that lemon bread to eat. I get all that, but I think that in America, again, just our country specifically, we 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 sort of infantize mealtime by making it all finger food, um, and I think that takes away from a lot of the things that I think we truly are missing in this country. Right? We don't sit down around the table and eat uh, together as much as we used to because we can pick something up and walk away from the table. Well, like I think it's sort of literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Well, it's also, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, we don't teach. And, and this is, you know, a big soapbox that I live to get on about about alcohol, which is that we don't teach people from an early age. I don't think to enjoy the stuff that they put into their bodies. You know, we treat it like fuel or an intoxicant and not like something to be, you know, savored and enjoyed and taken seriously. And I think, yeah, that is that is uh, I don't know. I personally didn't know that we don't hand kids forks and knives until they're in seventh grade. And then they probably just get a spork and what, you know, well, combines the convenience Amer- of a America, crappy spoon with a crappy fork. Yeah, here in America, teachers whisk off to the teacher's lounge where they can drink coffee and smoke cigarettes during lunch. Whereas in other countries, teachers hang out in the dining room and teach kids how to use tools. Right. So it's like we've created a system that eats itself. Mm. Anyways, I want to talk more about <laughs> potato chips uh, and 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 caviar. Do you serve anything else with it? A little creme fraiche, a little sour cream, or are you just chips and yeah. caviar? Yeah, I you know like the creme fraiche has got to be there. Um, you know, sometimes egg mimosa if you know you got the time to do it, which these days you do. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll tell you right now, the last two years in a row, what I brought to Christmas dinner that I went to uh, was potato chips, uh, a creme fraiche, and caviar, um, and oysters. I bring oysters as well. We crack those open. Um, yeah. But, yeah. It's great stuff. Uh, perfect oysters accoutre- perfect accoutrement. also go well with ice cold uh, vodka. If, indeed, perfect accoutrement <laughs> to get the meal started with some frosty cold vodka. So, on that note, Greg, why don't you bring into the room our guest today, and we're going to talk about, probably, I'm assuming, vodka. I, I, th- I think that's a safe bet. I think if you're bit putting money down about where the show is going, vodka is where the smart chips are at. So, uh, ladies it, and gentlemen. It didn't, it didn't seem that way in the beginning. We were talking hamburgers. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Hey, man. This is the most, this is the most it's me. set up. This is you, the most you know by up. now that, <laughs> that I, I, you know, I don't do things the normal way. Uh, ever. And we're, and we're, all happy to, and we're all happy for it. <laughs> Hamburgers and vodka. I won't be drinking this vodka with my hands, though. I have a glass. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Allison Verone from Belvedere Vodka. Allison, thank you so, so much for joining us in our virtual studio today. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Welcome. Yeah, so Absolutely. happy to have you here. Yeah. So, where are you coming from right now? Where is where is your virtual studio these days? My virtual studio is not far from Roberta's, which you're making me all nostalgic. Listen to you um, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, New York, um, the comfort of uh, my own home. Nice. Uh, I know. Are you I just... a fork and knife person or a sandwich person? I mean, like, where do you? I'm a, I, yeah, I think I'm more of a fork and knife person. Fork yeah. and knife person for sure. Yeah, and you're making me nostalgic for uh, for Roberta's and a, and a glass of Belvedere vodka for sure. Yeah. Well, we can't provide the Robertas, but I, I would hope that the Belvedere vodka would be not too complex of an ask. 
No, definitely not. You guys should have some uh, at your side, I think, too, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Came, came by a career. Uh, really appreciate the effort. Uh, you know, we miss uh, being in the studio. Normally people bring us stuff and we taste it on the air and we talk about it and it's pretty visceral. Uh, you know, this past seven months have been a bit of a challenge for us, but I think we're getting by and we're doing pretty well. And, and some folks have been uh, on the ball enough to ship us samples so that we can ha- have that same experience from afar. Um, let's talk a little bit about you, obviously. Uh, that's why we're here, not to talk about potato chips. Um, uh you are your your title is the VP of Belvedere, uh, and what does that entail? Like, what's what's a day to day like for the VP of something as massive as Belvedere? I, I consider Belvedere to be a pretty huge thing. Yeah, so yeah, I'm in charge of responsible for for the U.S. business for Belvedere here in the U.S., um, which accompanies all accompanies all of the you know the business and the marketing strategy for the brand. So working on anything from you know product innovation to you know advertising. Um, just to run the business in the U.S., so super, you know, privileged and excited to to work on a on a great brand such as Belvedere. Yeah, and your 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 history. You came from uh, working with Hennessy and Moet, and obviously another two huge brands. And I'm sure that you you were integral in pushing those names out and getting them front facing into uh, into people's hands. Um, yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. We're what, we're lucky to have been lucky to work on on you know very you know iconic brands in the U.S. over the over the many years of my career, which has been, you know, such a privilege. I mean, you guys know on the call the, you know, the great history that goes involved in these products. So it, it's super, um, it's super fulfilling and, and fun. Um, even in the context of, of the situation that we're in, we get to work on some beautiful products. Well, that's fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's, <clears throat> like I said, it's one of the, uh, we're, we're all uh, experimenting and flexing our wings uh, with, you know, baking and, uh, you know, everybody's everybody's on the sourdough train. So it's nice to see that people are still making uh, delicious, delicious things to drink as well. I, I don't have a still in my house yet, but we'll see how much longer this whole pandemic goes for. We might get to that point. Um, <laughs> winter winter is coming. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a real no man's land. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about how you wound up working with uh, the the good folks at Belvedere and how that you know how you sort of made the made the leap from working with uh, these you know iconic cognac brands to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I think you know I've started my career in, in media, um, and I I quickly you know realized I wanted to be in marketing. Um, in my career. And then I, I realized also that for me, at least personally, it was important for me to work for, for brands that I'm passionate about and I enjoyed. I'm a big foodie myself. I cook a lot. Um, and, and obviously, you know, wine and spirits are part of kind of my lifestyle. So I kind of stepped into the industry working on a couple of different brands, different categories, you know, cognac, vodka, um, working on scotches. Um, and, you know, working on a vodka is fantastic. It's obviously one of the most you know, widely consumed spirits um, in the world and in the U.S. So Vodka pays the bills. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it pays the bills, right? You guys know that. And also, <laughs> it's a very interesting time to be, you know, in vodka, which I know we'll talk a little bit, a bit about. And in Belvedere, it's a very interesting time to be on the brand. Um, you know, we're, we're launching a, a, new, a new platform that we just launched that really showcases the all-natural aspects of the brand, which is something that a lot of people don't know about. So... It's just a very interesting time to be to be working on um, on Belvedere. 
Yeah, I mean, let's let's go ahead and jump right into that. Uh, you mentioned uh, in the notes here that you're doing a new platform called Made with Nature. Um, what what's that all about? It's pretty vague in the notes. Yeah, I mean, we 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 launched a new platform just a couple of weeks ago um, that was well in the works for many years and really highlights the brand's natural philosophy and bringing that to the forefront. Um, and, and we're seeing people actively making kind of lifestyle changes, particularly in this COVID context. And consumers are really looking for, you know, high quality products, which is where Belvedere fits in. And not a lot of consumers or even trade folks like yourself might not know that Belvedere is actually an all natural product. We're made of Polska rye, which is the rye from Poland, um, you know, purified water from, from, our, from our, um, our distillery in Poland and nothing else. There's no additives, no emulsifiers, you know, nothing that makes it artificial in any way. Um, so the platform really showcases this philosophy, which we think is really relevant and particularly relevant now with, with where everyone's head is at, you know, in terms of the pandemic. Um, so it's an exciting time um, to be working on the brand um, and, and kicking off this platform um, just a couple of weeks ago. Cool. Uh, you, you keep uh, yeah. saying platform. Is, is this you like know, a, I, somewhere I, I can go to get this information? Yeah. Like, uh, on before we get into some of the uh, some of the other aspects of the the new expression and everything, I I feel like you know with vodka because we all you know work in cocktail bars and you know we've seen like the kind of communication with brands. You know we all see it firsthand and. It seems like Belvedere's always like been very consistent in regards to like the the actual like practices and the the product more so than any other vodka that I've seen on the market. You know, there's always been some kind of like there's always been like some sort of an experimental thing that kind of gets, you know, pulled from the market, you know, after a few months because it was kind of like kind of weird. But like Belvedere has always been very consistent. And to me, like, you know, especially for somebody like Souther, who has a very limited back bar and he only chooses certain brands and bottles. To me, that, World's best spirit selection. <laughs> exactly. Right. So like it must be it. I think it's a really interesting time for vodka right now, I guess is what I'm getting at, because there's been this huge resurgence. I don't know if you guys have felt it, but a huge resurgence in like the classic martini, right? Oh, for sure. And, like, I, th- I think honestly a little bit, of, I think a little bit of this statement might be COVID related. You know, people are trapped at home. We've all seen the surge in sales for off premise. Um, and we've all, maybe not all, but I've been across kind of every the, category, really. Sh- sure, I've been kind of behind the scenes with with a company that does, um, you know, Shaker and Spoon, who does the the cocktail delivery kit um, monthly subscription, and their membership has tripled, tripled, my friend, since since March. So people are doing stuff at home, and I think what people are wanting to do at home is like they're going back to basics, man. They're making sourdough bread, uh, you know. They're honing in on their lasagna skill, uh, and they're making old fashions and martinis. You know, they're, they're, I think it's the classics that are really surging with yeah. the home consumer. But what I've really noticed is it's more like just like I feel like whenever it's time to like hunker down, everyone kind of like goes for whiskey, right? That's kind of like your, your classic. It's like ah, it's going to be a cold winter, like we're. We're gonna like, you know, gonna we're gonna just do the. But like for me, having a, like a crisp, clean martini, like it's always been 
a huge, like, you know, something, it's like a think piece. It's refreshing in the strangest way because it's a very strong drink. But, you know, it, there's something about the, like what's going on right now. I don't know if it's some sort of like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it, but it seems like vodka and gin are specifically in just a classic martini. It's like having a really strong moment right now. I mean, I know like, you know, Simon's book, you know, the martini book, another buddy of mine is coming out with a martini book that it's having a moment right now. But like specifically, I know we went through like a huge over the past decade, like a huge like gin boom, really. Um, and now it seems like vodka is like having this moment and it's interesting to see it, especially coming into like the craft market where I think maybe vodka was kind of maybe waning a little bit for a second. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I I definitely think so. Uh, craft bartenders were too nerdy, too, um, uh, snooty to to use vodka in their cocktails, I think, for a while. But uh, again, we we stomped our feet. We we made people notice that what we were doing was you know somewhat serious, even though it was a, the business of pleasure. Uh, and and now that we've gotten over that hump, we can be a little bit more relaxed about our approach to things, and we can see yeah. we can see where these pieces to the puzzle fit into the grand picture. Um, Alison, do you have a, any kind of like insight to that? Like, is there was there like any kind of like moment or any kind of like marketing situation? I mean. I know this is kind of like a big question that I don't even have really put together, but like, I just kind of want to get your take as someone who like represents one of the biggest, like, like nicest, like luxury vodka brands, like how that ride's been over the past few years. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting, I mean, conversation. I think you're right that vodka, you know, in the context of, you know, brown spirits has taken a backseat over the past couple of years, right. As consumers are, are, are expanding their repertoire of what they're interested in drinking, right? Especially in the trade, so that's what you're saying. Uh, but what we're seeing now, you know, now that in the new world, I mean, consumers are drinking more at home, right? Mm-hmm. They're also going to the brands that they trust. They're going to the categories that they know, and vodka is obviously a category that everyone knows mm-hmm. and consumed at some period in their life. Um, and they are going back to the classics, right? They're making cocktails at home, as you said. They're making a classic martini, you know, that maybe they only get a couple times a year at a at a high end steakhouse, but but now they're experimenting at home. Um, but they're also experimenting with new products. We've seen um, even some great success with our new product, which I know we'll talk about is, is Heritage One Seventy Six, which we launched right in the middle of the pandemic. But we've had some great success, you know, even just at retail, mostly right now because of the situation. But consumers are open to 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 trying and experimenting new things. And vodka, I think, is getting it, it, it's getting to be an interesting category for people because there's new expressions coming out like a Heritage 176, where, mm-hmm. you know, I think consumers and also even, you know, the regulatory bodies of vodka have moved away from from saying that vodka is odorless and tasteless, right? Yeah, that, that, that's a new, yeah. that's a new develop, that's a new development right there. Yeah, exactly. Consumers in trade are finally, you know, recognizing that vodka should and can have taste and character. So I think that's where Belvedere has has remained consistent. You know, Damon, to your point earlier, um, and I think that it's been a benefit for us um, that hopefully will continue to 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 evolve. 
Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're 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 on the precipice of it right now, and and it, it's I, I'm not really shocked at all to hear that that it's taking off even even during the pandemic. People see your name, Belvedere, and they they know that it's a quality product, and so they're willing right. to give it a go. Um, yeah, and especially like we were talking about before, it's like whenever like with a food pairing, like Souther was saying, caviar and oysters, you know, that he brings over. Also, I really like your your strategy there, Souther, because you get your course out of the way immediately oh, and yeah. then you get to relax the rest of the time you know it buddy <laughs> that's strategic. the plan then i get to yeah. just enjoy some some drinks and and hang around and you know yeah. watch watch other people fuss over the turkey and yeah i'm, I'm that's right i'm but always even, first course <laughs> even in that situation with the food pairing like you know you want something that's going to complement those very delicate flavors right you don't want to you don't pour hot sauce all over caviar i mean i guess you can with oysters but i wouldn't do it with like a good delicate oyster like a kumamoto or a, like kushi or something like that those are like these are like delicate flavors and like with a, a premium vodka that is very well made that's going to have that flavor still of the grain that it comes from sometimes you know it'll come from a, a, a fruit but like you know you want to taste those these you want to taste that that nuance in the vodka so I, I like what you said there, Allison, because I don't, you know, personally, I don't want to drink anything that doesn't taste like anything. You know, I don't want to eat yeah, food that does? doesn't taste like anything. Yeah, who does? I, you know, you've heard me say it before. For me, oftentimes, uh, uh, I, I do, I do drink plenty of vodka. I don't, I don't have any on the bar, but I do drink plenty of it. Uh, but for me, uh, food is the mixer with vodka. I, I sure. typically want it rocket cold and undiluted. Uh, served hopefully at the top of a beautiful seafood tower, uh, you know, uh, over a blue ribbon. Um, but on that note, let's pause and hear from our sponsors. Allison, we're going to come back and talk to you a little bit more uh, about Heritage 176, your new vodka mixed with malted rye spirit from Belvedere. So stay tuned, everybody. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, Food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show.
And we're back. You were listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, today we're talking with Allison Verone of Belvedere, and we're about to talk about the new expression, which has been sitting here in front of all of us, I think, in our virtual studio, looking at us, begging us to try it. It's the Heritage 176. So I'm going to do this right Oop. I thought I thought there was a cork in there, and I was going to get that nice I did too. sound. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> I I, I caught stalling me for time and struggling with what turned out to be a screw cap. But I am going to pour a little bit into my glass right now. But Allison, I'd love to hear a little bit about this vodka mixed with malted rye spirit, Polish rye. Yeah, yeah, super excited um, to be to be launching um, a, a new expression for Belvedere Heritage One Seventy Six, and hopefully you guys can crack that open and, and, and get a flavor for it today. Way ahead of you. Good, good. I wish we were all together, but but please enjoy. And and basically, this is a new product that that um, is actually an, an homage to the old way of what vodka was made before distillation was modernized. Um, hmm. In Poland, they actually used to malt the rye, so heating the rye, um, which creates a very very different spirit. So essentially, you malt the rye um, and you heat it, right? And it kind of tricks. It tricks the rye into thinking that it's going to germinate, and it changes the the flavor of the rye itself into a much nuttier type of complex flavor, and then it's distilled um, into a into uh, into a vodka and, and mixed with our our Belvedere Pure. So what you're holding is 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 a, a Belvedere Pure with two percent of malted rye, um, and that rye is heated at 176 degrees. So that's why it's called Heritage 176. And that small amount of malted rye changes the entire flavor profile of that spirit, which is quite amazing. Um, and I hope you guys can taste it. It's extremely different on the nose. It's extremely different on the mouthfeel. Um, and it really is a complex flavor that we think is, uh, is super exciting in, in the vodka space and, and brings you know the brand into a whole new realm of, again, creating spirits with that actually have taste and character. Um, and flavor with uh, with Heritage 176. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely uh, the the nose kind of takes me back to my days of working in a brewery, like that nice warm, like malted bready uh, sure, thing. Cereal grain. It's like walking down the cereal aisle. You can yeah. smell the grains. Um, not 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 exactly, but not unlike you know smelling a white whiskey uh, or even a, a really young Jennifer. Right? Yeah, that, malt, that maltiness, that sort of, that's almost, I hate to say it, whenever I say sweet on aroma, I hate that because, you know, uh, if, I, if I put a bowl of sugar in front of you, you put your nose right in it, it doesn't smell like anything. Sweet doesn't have its own aroma, but we associate a lot of things with sweet. So it's got that sort of sweet, malty, but it's very faint. Um, what I know that there's all kinds of development and R&D going on all the time at all spirit brands uh, because, you know, your, your, your teams are full of geniuses and, and they can't just make one thing all the time. And I bet there's a whole bunch of things that have, that have going on behind the scenes that we've never see or never hear of. What is it that made this one come to the forefront and, and get it, get into a bottle and into my hands? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it, it's really about Belvedere kind of going back to its philosophy of really being experts in distilling rye, right? So this is this bottle that you guys have in Heritage 176 is really about the expertise of rye, which in this form is, is malting the rye, right? Is kind of bringing back an old world technique, you know, into the new world. So we just thought it was a very interesting expression, kind of, you know, really revolutionary in terms of how people think of, of a white spirit as of in, in vodka. Um, and we think, you know, again, we, we launched it this year and um, it's been, you know, great success so far. And we'll continue to 
to introduce it, you know, hopefully, obviously, into all of the on-premise bars and restaurants once things get back to normal um, to really create, you know, something very innovative for the brand. So hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you launched it during a pandemic, which is a gutsy move. And we were talking earlier about how people are going back to, you know, people are understandably going back to what they know, probably because most people don't have a centrifuge at their house, so they can't make Booker and Dax style cocktails. But there's also something nice, I think, in times of upheaval to go back to, you know, to sip a margarita and think about all the times that you had a margarita in happier days. And so it's, it was, was there... Uh, uh, any discussion of like this is uh, not you know it's not your granddaddy well actually it is your granddaddy's vodka but it's not your father's vodka and it maybe is not what people are generally expecting when they just have kind of like a blank vodka brand vodka image in their head was there any discussion of like is this the right time to do something that's maybe a little bit more experimental or should we hold off or was it just like no we know we're 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 confident about this we like it we want to we want to stick to plan a and put it out yeah, I mean, certainly a lot of discussion, you know, when all of this hit the world. Um, I think at the end of the day, what we decided was, you know, um, we had the product ready and we really felt like consumers, you know, are open to experimenting. And this is, and especially consumers that know Belvedere, which we're seeing, as you guys have just, you know, said before, we're seeing a great reinsurgence of the business of the retail is extremely strong right now for us. Um, so we felt like, you know, that's a good basis for us to uh, to introduce something new for consumers to experiment with. And, you know, we launched it this year, but we know that, you know, we'll continue obviously next year and expand it even more, um, you know, once things open back up. So it was kind of a, you know, what we'll call a soft launch um, this year, given what's what's happening. But it's been greatly, you know, well received so far, which is exciting. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um we touched a little bit on uh, the notion that the TTB has changed the definition of what vodka is from the old one, which was colorless, odorless, flavorless, neutral, distilled spirit. We all sing it in a sing-songy way because it was so ridiculous. Um, but uh, they've updated that to say that there can be some more nuances and some more pronounced flavors. Um, I'm curious, though, as I look at the bottle, it strikes me that the word vodka only appears here once and it's kind of small. And down lower, it says spirit drink. Is that because of new TTB um, alloc- uh, or, or, you know, direction? Yeah, technically, it can't be technically what you're holding in your hand can't be technically a vodka by the TTB because it has two percent of a malted spirit as part of it. So that's the only reason um, why it says a malted spirit, but certainly behaves like a vodka. And there are examples of other, you know, vodka brands out there that put something out that is, um, you know, not classified as a vodka, but certainly behaves like one. So it's not out of the, uh, out of the norm. Right, right. I just think, I was just curious if that was due to the new definition that's been laid down, you know, that, that now this has, has more character than the old definition had. So maybe, uh, you know, they're still trying to figure out verbiage for what they can put on the bottles maybe. Yeah, it does possibly. say it does say vodka. It does say vodka. It says vodka mixed mixed with malted rye spirit, and then just below that on the label in large letters, it says spirit drink. Um, so it just caught me caught me a little bit off guard. But I, you know, I've dealt with TTB and labeling before, so I know that it's just a whole bunch of you know government red tape that has to be navigated around. Uh, people understand that Belvedere is making vodka. People understand what this what this label is trying to tell them. I think. Yeah, it's interesting. The what you know the. The regulatory bodies, as you said, are changing their tune on kind of you know, the, the characteristics of vodka. And it's been it's lended itself very well to Belvedere because we we have been innovating vodka for a while. Um, and you have Heritage 176 for this year 
is the new launch. But um, three years ago, we launched something called Single Estate Rye. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is essentially the same thing, which is the idea um, that we can distill vodka from different terroir within Poland. And the terroir itself, meaning where the rye is planted, um, you know, in a particular region, two separate regions in um, in Poland, actually imparts two very different tasting vodkas. And that's how single estate rye came about, um, which has been another great success um, in the U.S. So we're happy to see that the the TTB and the regulations are catching up to this notion because we've been we've been doing it for a couple of years already. Can I can I ask you to speculate like why now? I mean, you know, change doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, it's 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 not the sort of thing that like one thing causes the TTB to go, okay, that's it, we're going to change it. But I I'm I'm interested to know cuz vodka's always been a little bit, you know, because it's such a uh such a, you know, for so long it was flavorless, odorless, colorless, like there were so many, you know, I've had bacon flavored vodka like it has it's been such a bendy category for a while so why if you had to speculate do you think that that definition is changing now and the ttb is kind of catching up to this notion that this is a category that can be more than just you know 40 percent alcohol and neutral spirit yeah it's a good question i mean i think from our perspective you know we see consumers you know having a, as I said before, a very big repertoire of, of spirits, of wine and spirits. So I think consumers are more experiment, they're looking to experiment more. And there's been a lot of products out there and, you know, vodka is not an exception um, that have really been innovative. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully that the TTB is realizing that and to open the aperture, you know, for these type of innovations, which it seems that consumers are quite open to. And that's what we're seeing is that, you know, the that consumers are open to something that's uh, that's a bit more interesting kind of than, you know, what vodka people thought of, you know, back 10 years ago. Well, it's good that as a, as a regulatory body, they're listening to, you know, where the, where the market is going, as opposed to just saying, it's like, this is the way we're going to do it. Cause this is the way we've always done it. Um, and speaking of, of innovating, I want to talk a little bit here uh, about something you're doing outside of the glass about the uh, the sustainability initiatives that Belvedere and uh, are they specifically tied to Heritage 176 or is it a larger kind of uh, initiative within Belvedere as a whole? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the CSR initiatives that we have, um, sustainability initiatives are have been Really, it's it's brand it's for the total brand um, and for the total house of Belvedere. It, it ties back to our our natural philosophy, um, and we're very proud of the work that's that's been done for the brand um, for many years. So even since since around 2017, um, there was a big initiative to reduce CO2 CO2 emissions. Um, um, since 17 to today, we've reduced those by about 42 percent all by kind of shifting fuel resources um, and some of the some of the um, the distillation process um, in Poland. So we're currently also installing a, a biomass facility in Poland that's going to be operational early next year. Um, and this facility this facility is going to allow us to further reduce our CO2 emissions um, and to produce actually enough energy to support both the distillery and businesses neighboring the distillery. Um, so there's a lot of things going on um, in Poland at our distillery in terms of sustainability initiatives, which is super exciting. Um, and 
we're on track um, in Poland to generate 100% renewable energy by 2025. That's the vision with all of the, um, the the biomass facility that I just mentioned. So there's a lot going on in terms of sustainability for Belvedere, which is completely in line, obviously, with our strategy and our Made with Nature platform that we just launched. So it's a very um, exciting time to be on the brand, but also you know feels good to be part of of a brand that that's making this um, a very big priority. Yeah, how are you uh, marketing? I guess is the right word. How are you getting this information to the consumer? I I had no idea. I'm, I'm happy to hear it, but I had no idea. Yeah, it's a great question. I think that that's part of the platform launch that we just did is the first step in kind of educating our consumer about our products, but then also about our sustainability efforts. So you'll see more. You'll start to see more in the press certainly in the trade press and also consumer press about all of these things that we're working on. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, I think myself included, I think the consumer in general, uh, at least the savvy consumer, is certainly, um, uh, you know, pays attention to those sorts of things. You know, um, you know, climate climate change is is real science is real um and i think it's it's good that that the brands that we consider to be luxuries and somewhat frivolities in our lives you know being able to have a drink is certainly a luxury and a privilege and i think it's good to see that luxury brands are are concerned with the day-to-day you know uh, workings of the, the the literal planet that we live on and share so I'm, I'm excited to see these kind of things from any brand and certainly from a brand as uh prestigious as yours Yeah, great. Yeah, I think you'll start to see a lot more from us. Um, and to your point, I think we just um, we have to get the message out there because people want to listen and they want to feel good about the products that they're drinking and they're purchasing. So, um, so it's a good time to be to be working on on Belvedere. Yeah, I I want to ask you something personal, Allison. As far as like Belvedere goes, how do you like to drink it? Uh, very good question. Um, I my favorite drink is a Belvedere Martini. Um, slightly dirty, ever so slightly, um, with two olives. Very simple. Ooh. I'm also a two olive guy. You know, people say that like that a martini should have one or three. It should be uh, an odd number because an even number is, you know, it's supposed to, supposedly some sort of like bad luck or something. But I'm a twin and a Gemini. So I do everything into, uh, so I, I, my, you know, my Manhattan's got two cherries in it, but I don't, you know, I you don't take, always you take your cherries. shots in two halves. You call it the two step. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I, when I do shots, when I do a shot of vodka, I do it in two steps cause I'm from Oklahoma. So I dance the way that I do shots. I do two step and, uh, you know, and I always, I always do, uh, two olives in my martini. So glad to hear that. Are you, can are we you, address, uh, can we address the, the sort of, uh, I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but of course the vodka martini is a thing and people drink it, but it has its own name. It's called a kangaroo. A martini is gin and, and dry vermouth. A kangaroo is vodka and dry vermouth and orange bitters in both. Anyone want to, anyone want to tackle that or are we just going to walk away? Well, you know, <laughs> so there, that's going to be a whole other episode. Uh, I'm going to, I'll, I'll just say this. The guy that invented them wants, wants us to call those little moving images on the internet GIFs, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. The exactly. GIFs all the way. All right. I'll, I'll acquiesce then. 
For now. Well, I wanted to ask Allison uh, <laughs> if there's any vermouth that she likes to use. Anything I was going to ask the same thing, actually. What's your preferred or, or do you use vermouth? Dolan. Dolan. Yes. It's slightly. I do a, a, a vermouth rinse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty classic with a, a vodka martini. Yeah. You know, like... Again, for me, I, all I need is just rocket cold. I keep my vodka in the freezer. I don't want it diluted at all. I want it in a small glass that's hopefully also come from the freezer that I will drink quickly but i'll have another one you know like i i want again my ideal and the thing that i'm dreaming about right now because we can't get it is that seafood tower at blue ribbon and, and you can get the supplementary uh caviar and the supplementary vodka on top and it's the top layer of the thing and it's just chilled shot glasses full of vodka and caviar and and then you know going down you got crab and shrimp and oysters and clams and you know that's 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 my happy place the food is the mixer for the quote-unquote cocktail that I'm having at that point. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've always been like a kind of a wet gin martini person. Like I like a, I love a 50-50. More specifically, I like a 50-25-25 with, with blanc vermouth and dry vermouth. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same way with the vodka martini. It's I, I actually go dry. It's it's mostly vodka. I put, I put the vermouth in there out of a technicality, basically. You know, just so I can still call it. Well, I guess in this case it'd be a kangaroo, <laughs> but just so I can still call it a martini. Yes. So and instead you know of what? instead of nodding also, in the direction of France, do you have to nod in the direction of Australia when you do it? Just as a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But also, whenever whenever I do a, a vodka martini, I actually use a martini glass. I don't use a coupe or a Nick and Nora. I just go straight martini glass. Something oh, yeah, about the, that the whole setup. Yep. Yeah. And they are oh, big. They're, mine are like eight ounces. Holy cow. <laughs> They're like steakhouse style. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, and he has two, two of them. The two martini lunch. That, yep. that's, that's how you get done in because those glasses are so damn big. Oh, uh, man. You know, I actually used to, when I when I lived in New York City, I would go to Keene's Steakhouse every Monday for lunch. Yes. Late lunch, but it would be a long lunch. And I would always have two Gibsons, sometimes with vodka, sometimes with gin. And, yeah, those steak, steakhouse martinis, man. Yeah. I mean that's basically that's basically four martinis at the end of it, and I, then I'd accidentally you know saunter over to JJ Hat Center and buy another cowboy hat and uh, go to sleep early. <laughs> but, let, it, let, let the record show that no one has ever claimed that Damon did not live a life of leisure. Um, <laughs> every Monday, by the way, people he said he goes to lunch at Keens. Yeah. <laughs> Starting yeah, his week off. There's no way. <laughs> Starting his week off. Yeah, and he buys a cowboy hat. Um, you got to treat yourself, man. And like, I think that goes back to what we were talking about before. It's like, I feel like, you know, the cleanliness of vodka drinks has always been appealing. But I think right now, especially with all the craziness in the world, it is such a, like you said, rocket cold martini. You know, it's, it's, it's seeing a really, I'm I, like in my career, in the time that I've been in this industry, I've seen so many things go up and down, but I'm like really liking this this swing up in the vodka martini category. Because when they're done right, man, it's a thing of beauty. And we need those kinds of treats these days, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, Allison, uh, if anyone wanted to get a hold of some Belvedere, <coughs> excuse me, Belvedere Heritage 176, uh, where can they find you on the internet, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, um, certainly you can go to your, you know, biggie retailer, Drizzly, um, you know, minibar.com is, is easiest in terms of e-retail. And, um, 
um, yeah, I mean, it's just launching, so it's just getting out there, but it'll be, you know, more and more readily available to get your hands yeah. on. Is it everywhere yet, or is it just in the big markets? It's about 20 markets right now, so it's pretty, oh, wow. yeah. pretty widespread. Yeah, you can certainly get it in the you know, big markets and, and a couple of smaller markets as well. Awesome. And, of course, you got social handles. It's all the same, right? Belvedere Vodka uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You, can, you yes. can catch up with what's going on with these sustainability initiatives, with, uh, with the new um, – uh, Heritage 176 and, and also with the new Made With Nature platform um, that, that lets you learn all about well, what's going on with Belvedere as a company and, and all the innovative things they're doing with the spirits that they're producing. Um, Allison, you got anything further you'd like to add? No, it was great chatting with you guys. Thanks for having us on and thanks for uh, for all the insights um, into what's going on in, in your world. It's super interesting and, and glad to hear that Belvedere is, uh, is in the in the fold. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't wait till we actually get a chance to uh, sit around and have some martinis together. Yeah. Yes, nothing I would. And some caviar, and uh, I'll make the potato chips. Yes, you will. <laughs> You're now the guy in charge of potato chips if you've bought the tool that goes with your fucking mixer. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, man, this has been a very informative show. Thank you so much, Allison Veron, for being on from Belvedere Vodka. Um, it's really. Good stuff to hear. I'm, I'm especially interested to see how the sustainability programs continue to flourish and, and how people uh, um, take to them. I, I can't imagine that it would be a, a, a bad thing. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Damon, you want to take us out? That's it for the Speakeasy this week. And uh, check out Heritage Radio Network. Check out Heritage 176 from Belvedere. And until next we see each other or virtually drink together, <laughs> cheers, y'all. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Thank everybody. you so much. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.